Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. My best mate, um, he's American, born and raised, and he he says that after Halloween is when it's acceptable to start playing Christmas songs, which I don't don't agree with at all. I, think <laughs> I like a similar sort of, kind of idea Christmas or, for December. Yeah, in the UK, but <clears throat> I'm not even sure how uh, interesting the conversation is about when you should play Christmas songs. It seems to be no, an, obs- I, an obsession was, by a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those it's one of those things for me. I like it because. It kind of it gives us something to look forward to at the end of November, and then it you know keeps the kids from constantly asking for stuff for Christmas. At the how end many of kids September. have you? How many kids have you got? I've got two. I've got uh, a daughter who's eight and a son who's five. Um, cool. And so yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I don't know how how qualified I am to be a dad, but they're still alive and <laughs> uh, they've, they've got they've got all the digits on their hands. So here we You've are. Got Forty people coming over for. To, to celebrate with you that's that's yeah, significant I, yeah my my um my wife she has uh her, my mother-in-law has four three siblings and my father-in-law has five so cousins and what have you people dip in and out we just we kind of have an open house dinner will be served at four everyone brings we assign a dish for everyone to bring and we just kind of and just have an might, open door all day. what's sort of typical for a thanksgiving meal um turkey Mashed potatoes, gravy. Um, this is thing it gravy the, in, the traditional gravy? Well, or is it something else? Well, yeah, it is. Like my understanding, well, what I make is an English version without the gravy browning. Is what is what we have made of the turkey juices. And sorry to all the vegetarians and vegans out there, but <laughs> that's what the gravy's made of. Um, yeah. And the green, green, what they call green bean casserole, which is green beans um, in like a mushroom sauce with crispy fried onions on the top um in the south sounds good uh, sounds really good yeah th- th- that is good um in the south they make what they call collard greens which are um i don't even like it's like a really bitter cabbage and they boil it with ham hock and then they sweet potato pie so they'll make you know like sweet potatoes in a pie with marshmallows on the top i can't get on board with that i'm not no, that, that, that doesn't that's that doesn't sound yep. good at all and then a lot of families have their own a lot of families have their own um, dishes. Um, uh, my my wife's family adds sour cream, and what I, the the mashed potatoes are ridiculous. I, I 
I swear it's 2,000 calories of scoop. Um, but that's okay. Swims, though, in, it? Once, swims in butter. Yeah, it's great. Once, uh, you know, once every, every now and then. We, we had mashed potatoes last night and um, my missus makes fucking amazing mashed potato. She, she does. <laughs> and um, she's like with butter and she, she'll, she'll reduce the butter. It's just lovely, right? Oh, yep. But I'm, I'm like, should we put a bit of cheese in there as well? <laughs> she's like, no, it's fucking <laughs> Isn't it like indulgent enough? Um, my wife's I don't think so. poaches garlic in it like she so she yeah. sour cream butter and then oh. she poaches garlic yes. in the milk the, oh, the garlic gets soft she mashes it down smashes it in there and she makes like so much it, honestly it's it's a ridiculous day for food but you know, like you said once, once in a while yeah, yeah, yeah fun. Really i'd like i'd like to i'd like to come to america and have thanksgiving uh, thanksgiving with uh, a family that, that that would that would be an amazing well, experience i, I have a I have a two. I have a two-bedroom granny granny flat off the back of my house. You're welcome. Uh, You've got an annex. Any, any, yeah, yeah. So, Where, whereabouts do you live, Matt? Sa- Sacramento, California. So, if you know where some people know where San Francisco is, we're 60 miles from San Francisco. Sacramento is a state capital. Is um, Sacramento a affluent place to live? No, it's it's a, uh, yeah. Well, it's not. It, it has its poor areas. It has its wealthy areas. Tradition. Yeah. It's the state capital, so it's full of government workers. So you okay. don't have we don't have extreme poverty, although I'm sure someone in the in the in the fighting cock will call me up on that because there are there are there is poverty around here. Obviously there is, um, but you know with government workers nobody makes minimum wage, but nobody's a, there aren't many millionaires either. So it's a, yeah, it's a, a middle class area. It's, really, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's a, it, did, go, could, it's a government did, city. When um, when Schwarzenegger was the governor of California. Yeah. Did he live in Sacramento? No, uh, no, that was that was a lot of the uh, consternation. Though he lives down south, but he would fly up in a helicopter. All right, um, so he, he or, never or, actually lived in California. Well, they have a governor's mansion, so he would stay here. Um, but he's he still live. I think his family still live down south. Um, my wife used to work at Starbucks when she was at university, and she she served him Starbucks every morning when he went when he, when he was on his way to the capital to do whatever it was that Governor Schwarzenegger did. <laughs> Um, she met him, met him loads so of times. If you remember, uh, you might not remember this actually, but in the UK there was like a a tourist sort of come to California. It's fantastic. Look at us. We kick hacky sacks up in the air and we play guitars next to fucking campfires and whatnot. And so, so they were sort of selling California as a tourist destination and Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah. was in this advert. Yep. But um, you're saying he didn't actually live there. No, he lived in California. He just didn't live in Sacramento. South and California, of, so south of yeah. where you live. Okay, I understand. Yeah, when like you say so, hours, so it's weird it, as an eight hours. Fucking hell! It, 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 like when you say that to uh, to, to uh, an Englishman, when yeah. you say south, what I what I think is south of the country, or in your case, the continent. So I'm thinking he lives right. in Texas or somewhere like that. Not no, no southern. Uh, so California. It's called down the west. Is down the the longest state down the west coast. So he lived know, in Los. Yeah. A- I think he lived in Los, Los Angeles. Los Angeles is six hundred and something miles from where I am, um, and it takes a long time when to drive. You, so it hence, when, hence it Matt, when you moved to America, was you did it, did it shock you or was you prepared for the size of it? Like, because everyone no. can sit look at a map, but it's different when in the everyday practical. Um, just living yeah. practically, where. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like like you. Everybody seems just fucking miles from everybody. Yeah, I mean, it was it was mental because obviously we speak the same language, and 
a lot of the history, the two countries' histories are intertwined, um, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but whatever. But I like there's a lot of a lot of culture shock, a ton of culture shock that took me four or five years to really kind of wrap my head around, and then about mm. a decade to just get to a point where I made peace with it, and I just you know I don't bring my I you know everyone on the <laughs> in the Telegram group would say I'm a full on Yank now compared to a lot of the mentality of the way British people or English people, whatever you want to say. Yeah. A lot of culture, but yeah, I think everything's massive and it, it truly is. Everything's big. Um, like a tiny car here would be a Ford focus, which is a family car in England. Even just yeah. little things like that. Like why do you drive a massive truck? Well, it's really practical because now I don't have to call anyone. who has got a white van man. Um, and yeah. it is my, and everything is miles away. Um, you know, you, there's no, there's no public, there's not in non-cities, there's not a huge amount of, of public transport. There's not a huge amount of infrastructure. There are very few trains. If you go to San Francisco, there's a train and there's a tram system that goes around the, around the Bay Area. But where I live, there's a tram system, but it take, there's no, there's no trams. car park at the tram. <laughs> yeah, yeah there's, no, there's no car park at the tram station. So like, if I there? wanted to, well, right, yeah. It's, it, yeah, I, it was, it, it, it's, it's, really, it's a really big place. You know, it takes five hours sometimes six hours to go from to fly from one side of the country to the other you know people are like well why do americans never leave america to go on holiday well it's so fucking just to get to an <laughs> airport that serves a, a european destination you have to travel six i would never right, leave right, so... i don't think i'd never leave couldn't be asked. <laughs> i couldn't be asked yeah i mean so you know you fly you fly six hours from heathrow in any direction and you're pretty much in a different continent yeah you're anywhere you yeah. want to be it's certainly like if, you, if you're going yeah. east you can get into you can get into asia in in in, uh, yeah. in six hours like if you're going to turkey yeah, yeah, yeah. you can get into asia fly. in six hours definitely yeah, Middle fly, east, fly south, you can get to africa south. yeah 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 so it's um it, it's a it's a really it's a really big place um but i like my I, I like it here there's things i've changed like any anyone but when i travel home to england now because i've been in america 15 years i'm like God damn it! Why do you? Why do people do things like that here? This is so annoying. Um, mm. And so, you know, I think yeah. that's a nice segue, Matt, because uh, this mm. is the point of this podcast is is to um, welcome to No Holds Barred podcast. By the way, Matt, and uh, no, thanks, mate. <laughs> Hopefully, this isn't this. boring and self indulgent and narcissistic. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little bit. Well, nervous I, asked, that... <laughs> I asked you. I asked you. It, it right. wasn't like you. You came came to me and asked. But, um, I, you know, it, the people in the Telegram group and uh, whatever, the various WhatsApp groups uh, yeah. seem to have sprung up since uh, since we created the Telegram group. Um, and, and for people who are listening to this who don't know what the fighting cock is and just, just listening to this podcast, um, don't worry about any of that because it just, uh, it, it, it's not interesting it's not not important to this conversation anyway matt you you um you, we, you people were saying that you you have a, an interesting job like what what right now what is your job and and then bef- after you explain that i want to go back to the beginning of how you ended up where you were because we had a phone conversation where you explained that and that was yeah. really interesting so yeah what yeah. do you do hey. right now and why why would i be interested in that and why would other people be interested in it well, I mean, I don't think the actual job itself is particularly interesting. I work for a large bank um, and I help I help people when they want to buy a house or remortgage. In America, you call it refinancing. So, you know, I, I help people with the financing of pretty much most people's biggest purchase. You know, the thing they spend their, the most money on in their life. Houses. Yeah, houses. Yeah. So I'm, 
that's what <clears throat> excuse me, that's what I do. Um, and, but, and, and and when you yeah. say you help help people, it's not me you're going to help. You might do. You know, I am. Yeah. You know, I'm bloody bloody successful gentleman, <laughs> but I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm probably not going to enter your radar. Well, I mean, I will. I I will, I started at the. I, you know, I started. Uh, I just. I will help anyone because that's just my personality. I don't have ideas above my station. All right, um, you no, know, I know, I, I understand that, and you're you're a nice guy, Matt. But but how rich are the people that you're working with? How rich? A lot, a lot of them are mega rich. A lot of them have what we would call in American net worths of five to one hundred and fifty million. And these might be sports stars. They might be uh, bankers. They might, what what what? Yeah, what, yeah. So it's um, a lot. A few of them are professional athletes. Um, a few people, self, you know, people who have. Startup business. I live near San Francisco, so you end up running into people that, um, you know, like starting a lot of the apps that you have on your phone emanated from Silicon Valley. Yeah, Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So just 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 um, quickly, so a lot a lot of tech startup and um, that that kind of thing. Like, why? What what is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What what quickly before we sort of go back to 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 what you do is like what Silicon Valley is what and why is there so much money there? Um, Silicon Valley is um, an area just south of San Francisco, and it's where companies like Apple, Hewlett-Packard, um, Oracle, Twitter. Um, so anything in, sort, know, of, sort yeah, of yeah, anything other than Microsoft from Seattle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they have they attract a lot of very clever computer engineering people. Stanford University is there. I don't know if that's a famous name in the UK, yeah, but it is, it Stanford is. Univer- yeah, so Stanford University is in that area. Um, and so it kind of become, it became a hub in the late 70s and 80s for tech people to come together. And so, and it's, there's not a lot of space there. So it creates, you know, they made a lot of wealth and then, um, okay. Yeah. So someone really rich from Silicon Valley who's made a lot of money on Twitter or in in some sort of social media or some sort of tech development, whatever it might yeah. be, block blockchain, whatever it whatever it is. Yeah. They have lots of money, and they come to someone like you to do what you said, like high high sort of the biggest purchases that they might make in their life. Which yeah, I out. mean for these yeah for these guys. So you know um, the a lot of these people are considered really wealthy. Now I don't, I don't work with people like Jeff Bezos from Amazon. Like that's, no. that's, you know, but yeah, that's, a lot of these people, it? right. But a lot of these people, they're known as being wealthy, but a lot of their money is tied up in the stock of the company that they started. And so when you, um, they have what we call capital gains. So when you sell the stock, if you bought the stock for a dollar and now it's worth $10 a share, and you sell, I don't know, $5 million worth of the stock, you owe the government taxes, and in California, the state of California taxes on the, dif- on the difference between the dollar you paid for the stock and the $10 that you sold the stock for. So if you're paying 30% or 25% taxes on that $9 gain, you have you, you're giving a lot of money to Uncle Sam, which is what we call the tax man here. Yeah. So when they want to do a big purchase like a house for five or ten or twenty million dollars, if they sell twenty million dollars worth of stock, they actually probably have to sell something closer to twenty-eight million dollars of stock, give the government eight million dollars in taxes, and the seller of the house 
20 million bucks. So then bankers like myself come in and say, okay, rather than buying the house all in cash, how about we put a mortgage on the house? It reduces the amount of stock you have to sell to buy the house. You give the government a lot less money, if any at all, and you buy, you get the house you want, and the cost of borrowing the money is less than the taxes that you would have paid to the government. And right. that's a very, very basic conversation, very so basic reason why. you're sort why of like a high-end accountant, right? No, that every accountant on the face of planet Earth would stab me in the side of the face <laughs> um, if, I, if I even started to claim something like that. No, I just, I, I, I provide them a way of, you know, borrowing money while, while it's very, very cheap and then not paying so much in taxes um, on that money. Well, eventually they'll pay taxes on that money. But if you spread it out over time, um, you can pay less taxes. It's just a way that wealthy people are able to, you know, keep more of the money that they've earned or gained or inherited or whatever the right you know way they got their money. It's it's fair to say that if you're, and I think fundamentally what this podcast is about money. I think you understand it more yeah. than 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 I do because you you have to make decisions and give advice to people who have lots of money. Right. who want to do things that the normal person does, it's not relevant to them because they don't have enough money for it to impact them right. Um, right. that's fair to say isn't it so um i think so yeah so so is it true then that if you make money uh, sorry if you have money it's a lot lot easier to make money i think so like when we were talking the other day i you know there when you have money it removes so much stress and anxiety from you know your day-to-day living right you're yeah. not worried about whether your car will work to get you to work you're yeah. not worried about losing your job because you know you can't afford new tires on your car and they're they're bold you can't you know you're not worried you're not, about putting food on the table you can eat a healthier lifestyle so yeah i think and all of that then sets you up to is- focus on making money yeah the bills so you don't worry you don't have to expend in um energy on worrying about whether or not you can afford to pay your phone bill which you need to communicate with people that you love or yeah absolutely. or the rent just to be able to pay the rent so that it's be, i think about my 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 feeling about having money is not worrying or the the luxury of not worrying about how do i pay my bills yeah that, it's that, one of the big, it's one of the biggest things that i've learned over the last 10, 12, 15 years of doing what I'm doing is, is exactly that. It's not the luxuries of the stuff you can buy, you know, nice cars, houses, watches, you yeah. know, artwork, whatever. It's the fact that not once do you ever have to worry about whether your child has a balanced diet, whether they can yeah. concentrate, in, concentrate in school and therefore get your grades so they don't repeat the cycle of poverty, if you will. Yeah. Even little things like not worrying about having good internet access. You know, in the 21st yeah. century... You can't operate without no. internet access. I don't. I mean, I think it's to me, you know, clean air, clean water, roof over your head, clothing on your back. For me, healthcare are basic human rights, and I would say, in twenty twenty one, access to the internet is getting 100%. very close to being one of those things, right? Uh, no, um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I would agree with that. Without and so yeah, yeah. So having you know, having money or you know always having an emergency fund. Yeah, it, it's it's not just like I said, it's not just about having the money. It's the what the the freedom that it gives you to then 
concentrate on doing other things is it's a massive it's a massive privilege i don't think a lot of people necessarily think about things like that and not thinking about like you said yeah yeah i mean as someone who's who's in 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 recent times um apologies if you can hear my dog drinking water in the background (laughs) i think i think when you listen back you might be able to hear it my my dog he's had he's got a problem with his skin and he's had to we've had to um put him on steroids from the uh, vet so it makes him really thirsty bless him um so uh yeah yeah but but it's very very relatively recently in my life that i've not i don't have to worry about where the bills are you know how, how to pay the bills or christmas is coming and um the kids want certain things and we can't afford it like luckily now at 40 i'm in a situation where i don't have to worry i can spend things without worrying about rent right or i yeah i can afford to buy a new car if i w- want to not outright but in over yeah you know leasing it i can do those things and the 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 greatest gratification or feeling of comfort that i get or from those things doesn't compare to being able to not worry about my bills and that's that's right. what i feel like with money and and society that the that it's people who don't have a lot think that buying actually fuck i'm not gonna say that that's a stupid thing to say um <laughs> i know pe- i know where, I, I know where you were going with that with, with that statement i think one of the things that excites me i think one of the things that prompted this conversation uh, in the first place was in we were chatting about crypto and yes how it how it is i mean i it, it's a big it's a big problem i say big problem it's a very challenging what i would call asset class for people like me to deal with because it's so deregulated and what i do for a living is so so closely watched by the government and regulators that crypto just blows everything out of the ground but i'm seeing you know i'm seeing people who previously had really struggled to be able to you know like you said pay the bills have you know remove anxiety from their life and stress which ultimately causes other health issues and so on and so forth things like crypto and i'm not i'm not a crypto expert but i know enough i think probably to be dangerous um crypto is is putting money in people's pockets that they've never had before what I would say is, but, but in order to, that that's correct. Like in terms of, certainly if you get on board at the right time, yeah. If, but but in order to get to get to to benefit from crypto, if anyone is ever going to properly benefit from crypto, and and we're not talking about the people that made fucking hundreds of millions of pounds off Bitcoin because they were there right. in two thousand and thirteen. So that right. people that are interested now, you need you need disposable income to make that happen, and that. That doesn't yeah. mean a hundred pounds. I think there's this mis misunderstanding that if you have a hundred pounds and you put it into the right coin, uh, although that is still true, but you have to. It's like winning the lottery, or well, it's, like it's, winning, it's not like winning the lottery. It's like winning a an accumulator, right? Where yeah. the return of of a pound is is sort of twenty or thirty grand. But with yeah. but 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 if you want, if if, if you're playing crypto, like I. I I, I, that you know that you you want to see a decent return you need to put significant amounts in and yeah. when we talked before before recording yeah. was that I had that money at the start of last year 
where things started to pick up for us, oh, for people who are into crypto, I'll say us. Yeah. <laughs> for people who are into crypto, it started to pick up. I had the money in the first place to do it, whereas previously right. I didn't. And that's why I think that, that conversation about having cash spare after you've paid the rent and whatnot, yeah. that's that's how you can make money, or, or that's one example of how you can make money, I guess. I think that's, yeah. that's yeah, that, where that, that, that conversation that's a, came from. Yeah, it's a very fair, it's a, it's, a, it's a very fair point. And like, you know, the, it's the age old adage of, it's easy to make money when you've got money, and I to- that that I I see all day every yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and when I you know when I first you know when crypto first kind of hit the the the, the main channels was in 2018 when Bitcoin first went on its run to like 20 grand, yeah. and I was sat there scratching my head because I've always been taught financially was you, was you don't in understand then? it. No, no, mate, no. I, no, no, I, mean, I had money, I had money to put in it, but I didn't. Um, but mainly, you know, for, like I was always taught if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. Um, yeah. And that's that's a very Warren Buffett um, principle, and so Warren, Warren Buffett, um, for those that don't know, he's uh, uh, the massive one of the richest successful... in the world, right? Yeah, 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 <laughs> just, yeah. Just a bit. I mean, he's ninety something years old, and he's only ever invested in stocks, and he looks for what he thinks are undervalued companies, and he buys them, and then they go up in value, and he's made himself a massive billionaire. And one of his principles is: don't if you don't understand it, don't invest in it. Um, and he'd now come out and said that he's made some mistakes along the way by not investing in certain things because he didn't understand it. But, but he um, remains yeah, one of the richest no, people on earth. He still remains <laughs> exactly. Uh, but yeah, I no, I didn't get in in 2018. I got in actually from what you said about the same time as you, where yeah. I finally got comfortable that Bitcoin and another coin called Ethereum were gaining enough. I don't want to use the word stability because they're not stable. But they were gaining enough foothold. And when I start reading, this is going to make me sound like a total nerd, but when I read business websites and you see mainstream banks commenting on things like cryptocurrencies, then you start to think, okay, well, they want to sink their teeth into it. That's going to create an underlying level of stability in it. And therefore, like you just said, I had some, I say spare cash. I had a little bit of money on the side that wasn't doing much with. So I threw it in there and, you know, I've made a little bit of a rate of return, but like you said, it's not just a, it's. I didn't make millions off of a hundred dollars in the site. Yeah, no, 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 you can't. It's too late for that. It's too late. Yeah. For that. And, but there are coins out there, and, it, and it's oh, we can't go into it now because it's too yeah. complicated. But like, there are people making lots of money on shit coins and creating coins and building. It's yep. all about marketing now, and it's a different beast. But yeah. um, there is a parallel between Warren Buffett and you, Matt. <laughs> and that would be that you you saw opportunity you saw you saw something that you understood and you thought i could yeah. do that so if we go back to if i remember it rightly you was in the uk and you married yep. and moved to the us and you had to get yeah. a job right so what that's exactly it go on tell me your story from the uk yeah so what? i mean i was i was in yeah i was in the uk i was working for charity um, they offered me the chance to do some training in Denver. And I was 18, 19 at the time. Um, I deferred my place to university. Um, and so I had some space to time to go and travel. And so I thought, oh, yeah, I'll go. I went to Denver, um, met a girl, settled down. You know, the, the, the age old song lyric. Um, yep. And uh, got, got married 
I think, culturally relatively young compared to what people would expect. How, people old, got married how old was you? I, I was 21. Um, is that, is 21. that young in America or is that just young here in the UK? No, I think it's young in America now. Yeah, mm. I think. I mean, yeah. Um, and so I, you know, at that time when we got married, I literally had $280 in the entire world. Um, and looking back, I don't know. So, so sorry, sorry. sorry. Was, let, let, yeah. you're, you're telling the story you know, but I don't know this story. So you're, you're, oh. you, you've, um, you've, fl- you've met a girl. Yep. In in the in the UK, she's from. No, the no, US. no. I, I no no. I went to. I came to Denver. I met Apologies. her when I was in Denver. That's yeah, no worries. Right. in Denver. The, the charity gave you an opportunity to, yep. to to go and learn elsewhere. So you met this girl in Denver, and you're a, a, a like a, a very handsome Englishman in Denver, <laughs> and that would be I, a rarity. <laughs> my accent. I wouldn't put handsome. I think my accent is what is what caught what American people tend to appreciate. People well, with different you, accents, so that's stood out. You are what you what you are what you think. So um, yeah, all right. So so an average looking man goes to Denver exactly <laughs> yeah, with an exactly English it. accent. Yeah, and I worked for a charity, and we'd done some work in the third world. I worked in orphanages in Romania and Ukraine before they joined the EU when having an orphanage system was outlawed. Um, my wife had been in Bolivia. She's not she's not um, from Bolivia. She's from Sacramento, California. Um, we met in Denver just coincidentally. We did similar, some similar leadership training. At the end of that, the end of that time, we thought, "Well, you know what? My wife is two, three, two thirds of the way through a degree in biochemistry, and so she should probably finish that because the way the American university system works is you can kind of dip in and dip out. Whereas I think in I've never been to university in the UK, but I think in the UK you kind of start at the beginning of three years and you have to finish it because if you don't it's not so transferable right to a different uh well yeah. you yeah no i don't think it's as fluid as it is in the u.s based on what i've yeah. heard but yeah. you you can defer years but it's a basically right. you you defer and you start again from right. that year so it's not people don't do it they don't they yeah don't. so yeah so i i ended up like my father-in-law's a pretty traditional american bloke that you would picture he cuts his, he cuts the sleeves off of his t-shirts he hunts he has guns um Blah, blah 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 so i did the traditional thing and asked him if i could marry his daughter and he tells mm-hmm. the story to this day that even though he was desperate to say no um he knew that his daughter wouldn't have liked him so he just rolled why with was the he punches. desperate to say no because he was a limey is that what it was no well because he was worried that we were going to move to england and i had no money he i didn't have a job and i had no money so how was i going to provide for his daughter that was his right Mate, that was his main focus. My, is that, my is brother, that a thing? Is that a thing in America about how like it, like it, that sounds quite traditional and and sort of binary? Yeah, yeah, um, it is binary. I I don't think I can make. A, I don't. I mean, I I've got people around me. I I think the tra- I think it's still traditional to ask the person's father for hand in marriage. Certainly, um, to, that that no, it's certainly traditional in in the UK still, but it doesn't mean much more than it being tokenistic. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, my father. But he was like, was, "No, you, you got to provide for my daughter." Yeah, I mean, he that that that's what came out afterwards. At the time, he just went very quiet and just said, "You know, yes, you can get, yes, you can marry my daughter." And I, what can he say? I think if he, yeah, right, exactly. Even if he'd said no, I, we we're still going to do it. So, you know, like you said, there's some tokenism there. So anyway, met, met you know met my wife, and then we moved from Denver to Cali- back to Sacramento, California, so she could finish up her studies because it seemed silly for both of us her to waste two-thirds of her education um and my my mother we it was we got married at, around easter and so we did the good thing and i went to 
Easter church with my in-laws because that makes them very happy. And I was wearing, yeah. I was wearing, a, I was wearing a Spurs shirt. I didn't know you were supposed to wear kind of a collar and a tie. Um, what do I know? So I just, got, what, I just fucked up in jeans so and a, jeans people, and a Jamaican people, shirt. Again, people that haven't listened uh, listen to this that don't know. Of course, the, sorry, uh, mate. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's fine because it's interesting because I just want to know what Spurs shirt, what season you were wearing. Um, it would have been. I, it was it was it was the Kappa um, shirt. No, two thousand five, Jamie Redknapp sort of era, bunch of yes, tragic. exactly, and yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Jermaine exactly Defoe, what I was wearing. Robbie Keane, yeah, ex- banging, yeah. Casey Keller, there <laughs> the, you go. <laughs> the, fo- the, fo- the, the the false new dawn, but um, yeah. So I was I was wearing I was wearing that, and then this bloke comes up to me and says, "Oh, um, you know, Spurs, your team." It ended up being some bloke from Hemel Hempstead who was also a Spurs fan. Um, who happens to be in Denver as well. No, he, this was back in California. In California, um, but right, he happened. Right. He, yeah, he he um he was a football coach, and he was also there at church with his in laws at Easter because it's a traditional thing to do. And got to chit chatting, um, and I said, you know, I'm I'm a, I'm a fairly bold person and quite candid as a personality, and so I just said, you know, do you have any leads on jobs? Because I've been back here a week and a half and I haven't found a job yet. And he's like, well, yeah, I could probably I work for a bank and I can get you a temporary job at least to get a few pennies under your belt. What, so we got, what was that? So I worked, it was uh, the bank that I started off in the mortgage industry with. Um, but at the time it was just, it was just boring paper pushing for $13 an hour. Um, yeah, so, 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 cause I feel like uh, in my head, there's narrative building here and it's important to know what you were doing then and why you took that job. And Yeah. So I, I the, there was the, it was it was in the more it was in the mortgage department because he happened to also work in the mortgage department. And so, so you're you're time, not a young man who is desperate to work in mortgages. Not in the slightest. Couldn't care less. I was a, yeah. I was a young man desperate to make some money to move out of my in laws' spare bedroom because we were living <laughs> with we were new newlyweds, twenty one and twenty two, living in my in laws' spare bedroom, and their spare bedroom had a shared wall with their bedroom and I Jeez. no more wanted to be in that room than they wanted me to be in that room. So I just asked you who was having more yeah. more action in that in that instance. Say that again. Was it the in laws or was it you? Wanted to who's having more action? Yeah. What bedroom is more lively? I was twenty one, it's got to it. I, I hoped and prayed that it was my bedroom. Really quiet. Just shh everyone shh. Had more had we we did it more in the bathroom that with the shower on than ever since. Which is why <laughs> you needed your own place. It's why you needed exactly, to get out. Exactly. Exactly. So I ended up going into this. You know, I'm sure I'm sure you've seen it. We call it Cubicle City. Just a big rectangle room with tons of cubicles, and there's people beavering away. And honestly, after about half an hour, I'm like, this job is so boring. But I've got yeah. you know, I've got to stick, got to stick with it. And you know, my personality is like you know, after a minute, I got up and started walking around and at least in this office, and I think it's fairly common in sales environments in the US, that at the time they had whiteboards everywhere that had names and numbers and all the rest of it. So I just found the, 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 the nicest looking face, the friendliest looking face that I could find and asked and I said, you know, I'm, I'm new here. I'm just interested. Could you tell me what these numbers mean? And the numbers on the board of people's names were how many mortgages they had done with clients and how the dollar amount of that mortgage. And then... So sales. Much, it's like, it, yeah, it's, sales, yeah. And how yeah. much money they were making, and I and I and I was twenty one. I didn't know anything about mortgage. I'd never bought a house in the UK. I, I had a current account with Nationwide. That's a, that was the extent of my financial escapades at, at twenty one. 
Yeah. And she told me, and I was like, well, hang on a minute. People call you and ask you to give them a mortgage. And she's like, yeah. And then when you give them the mortgage they ask for, you pay the person who happened to pick the phone up. How much? And she's like, yeah, that's, that's pretty, you know, she's a bit uh, more complicated uh, than that, but that's exactly it. And what, what, what were the numbers on this whiteboard? Uh, between, I mean, monthly between five and a hundred thousand. And then annually between what? 50, 60 and a million. And what year was this? 2006, end of 2006. So coincidentally, it's right at the beginning of the start of the collapse of the financial crisis that, engulfed around, the world 2007 2008 is it yeah, yeah yeah it started collapsing in 2007 if you've watched the what's the film um the big short oh no. yeah exactly yeah the big the big short yeah. that's exactly when i started in the mortgage industry it's exactly that and so i worked for a big bank that wasn't so involved in a lot of those you know kind of the we didn't have tipex or americans would call it whiteout we didn't have tipex and whiteout on our desks where we could fiddle the numbers make it work and we were a little bit more above board than than that um mm. but so i just said i said to the lady who explained everything to me it's like well i'm making i think it was 12 or 13 dollars an hour i said i <laughs> i want i want to do that how do i do that and she's like oh well we happen to be interviewing in a couple of weeks time um you know work hard blah 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 well so for the next two weeks i worked hard at what i was doing I got it done super early that gave me an hour or two to wander around the office I didn't really have a manager because it was a temp job and I would just I, I looked at the people's names who had the highest income and then I went to talk to them about what they did and asked them and most people were, were pretty polite especially with having an accent it was I think it's disarming and yeah. so they explained to me what they did and and then I asked people about how they got the job and what to say and what not to say in the interview and so two weeks later because they saw I worked hard they gave me an interview and then I fell into the mortgage industry which um I've not left since, and then Matt, so. You, but you didn't. You didn't get that interview because you didn't get the interview because of your accent. You got no, the interview because was, of your. I was forward. Well, I was bold. <laughs> but you, know, you saw, I, you saw an hungry. opportunity, and this is, and this is. I think I think people listen to this who who might look at what you've got, and which is a a big house, and um, as you said, uh, an annex, and you know you've got money, and you're you've been successful, but when you flew to the u.s to be with you or you flew to the u.s yeah. as a part of a charity and then met your wife yeah. and ended up living in the spare bedroom of her parents house or her bedroom wherever it might be <laughs> to where you are now is a massive massive success and then I mean, people it's, it's are... a classic american story isn't it you can't, i came to america with no money and i saw an opportunity and i i strangled yes. it with two hands two well, hands it's like it's the american the dream as they call it right yeah it is it is the american dream but for some people and yes. and it's for people yes. who who there might be people listening to this who think how's he fucking done that because I can't I, I that that's not going to happen in my life it's impossible and right. what you've just said was that you saw an opportunity or you saw you was aspirational enough to ask questions yeah. you weren't a, a wallflower you went out there and and you was you was working a thirteen dollar an hour job pushing paper around doing some just nonsense that any idiot could yeah. do yep 100 but, but you saw something and thought all right i've got the gumption to ask that question to the right people and i think yeah. the people i think people out there who might be listening to this who want to succeed or want to take advantage of opportunities 
It's when what you did. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Just act on, on something. Sorry, my dog's drinking again. Yeah. It's the drugs he's on. Uh, yeah, but when, when you're, um, you know, you, you had, you, you, you saw the opportunity and you acted on it, whereas I think a lot of people, myself included, for a long, long time, um, wouldn't have acted on it. It would be a good idea that I had in my head, but I don't do anything because I don't want to embarrass myself. I don't want to cause up people uncomfort or, or, or to feel un- uncomfortable. Yeah. I think the biggest, honestly, mate, the biggest thing for me in those two weeks between when I figured out that that's what I wanted to do, and it was so crude, I just wanted to make money for my family, which I suppose is on is on brand, I, I, you know, I, and I I wanted to provide for my wife at the time, and my father-in-law told me that once you get married, you pay for her education, and I didn't, I couldn't, we couldn't get student loans at the time, and sorry, et cetera, sorry, et let, let, let me bring you back here, yeah. Matt, because that doesn't. Yeah compute in the uk i don't know what that means what, what why would you have to pay for your wife's education well, it's just my it's just my my father-in-law's traditional values well my wife lived under his roof he was her she was his response financial responsibility and then when we got married part of choosing to be married to his daughter is to choose to provide and that was her going back to university and here in the states i think it's a similar in the uk but you pay you pay year by year or or term by term um semester by semester here and so I had to provide for my family. And in that two weeks, the, big, the best piece of advice I got given, and it got me through the interview, a lot of people will say, and I'm sure you've seen this on TV programs and stuff, and you know, like, here, sell me this panel, sell me that chair. And the best piece of advice I've ever been given, and I use it every single day to this day, whether that's with Mr. and Mrs. Smith who are buying their first home, or whether that's Mr. Tech Millionaire, the first thing I always do, you've got to ask questions. People go in trying to sell themselves, thinking that they just have to prom- like they have to promote themselves or promote their product, and that that ad- advice that was given to me by a bloke called Adam in two thousand and six was just ask questions, and when yeah. you ask questions, you disarm, and you could do that literally everywhere. So you know, yep. you, you, know, you want to make a complaint because someone's upset you in a restaurant or on an airplane or in whatever. 
the first thing you do is I always say, is this the service you would expect to receive? You go in like that and it disarms people. It's the same in selling, selling anything. People come to me and like, well, what not, are you I'm looking sure for? I would, I'm not sure I would complain in the service industry. I don't think I'd do that. Not Certainly not to the, the person who's serving. Right. But the, 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 the approach to ask questions is the correct one. Like, if you ever, I think Adam might have read um, How to Win Friends and Influence People. <laughs> have you ever read that? Yes. So this yes. is this is a simple, essentially be uh, like fundamentally. I think that it gets a lot of sort of bad press because yeah, it, it sounds like it's about um, you know being sort of business minded and business centric and yeah. making yeah. money. But fundamentally, in, in in my opinion, what I got from the book when I read it was it's be good to people, be kind, be in, genuinely interested in them. Ask yeah. them questions. Like if anyone's like going out for a date with a with a woman or a man or or a yeah. um, a non-binary person, right? If you're if you're if you're you're interested in that person and you want them to like you, then you should uh, you should be interested in them. And that's the same thing yeah. for for business. It's like how do you like people want to 100%. be valued? They want to be they want to feel important. And and yeah. if you make them feel important, then they, they're going to like you. But it doesn't. It's not just. It's not like lip service. It's, you have to be genuinely interested in them. I think. Yeah, I, I think that's. I mean, people like talking about themselves, which is. I mean, maybe not everyone. I think people get a bit embarrassed and all the rest of it if they if, if they have any remote level of decorum. But yeah, asking people about them and then being genuinely interested and then trying and then remembering something about the conversation that you can bring up later on down the line. Um, that's just a basic human skill, but. That was one, that's one of the things that you know I learned and I saw that opportunity and I, I've taken that principle throughout life and you know I, I oftentimes with wealth comes a significant amount of narcissism because I mean that's just how it, just how it is um, and so you know people like talking about themselves and it it, it you know it, it, it ends up helping people be successful if they if you know if they are nervous about what do I bring to the table and I couldn't possibly do what you know, people who live the American dream have done. Um, and yeah, and a lot of it does come from the fact that I had a good education and a stable family life growing up and I had interpersonal skills anyway. And I mm. understand and appreciate a ton of that, the, the ton of the fact that there's some privilege in the, how I was brought up in, you know, I, in that sense. And I capitalized on that. But, you know, I what it, I do for a living is just, I think yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's just interpersonal skills. Jump in there. I think there's, yeah. I think every, every, anyone who is successful taps into something they were given and that might have been something that was very yeah. difficult growing up it might yep. be something that was really easy and happy it might be that you've grown up around five brothers i think that the reason why i've been able to produce podcasts that people resonate with was that i grew up with five of my brothers and existing and and and, and being um significant in a, a brother of five that that you had to be you had to have a certain element of um understanding of what the other people were saying so i had yeah. that and that, and my my in my formative years that that was sort of apparent around me all the time and i think it's really served me as a grown-up but well i mean like you, know, you, you started the fighting cock and then with your mates and then now now you've made it as part of your business right like there must have been some kind of point in all of that where you chose to grasp an opportunity and see when I say seize on it I don't mean it like you're no I understand you know, what you're saying you know what but, I'm saying like, but it was similar to when you were yeah. when, when you were looking around asking questions right 
in, yeah. your, in, in your job. So my, my one, my, my, my moment of, you know, grabbing the ball by the horns, to use a horrible cliche, but yeah. was I had the idea to do a podcast or do something a long time, you know, much, much earlier than, than, than when it actually happened. And it right. was, I, I, I wanted to email Spooky, who's now become a very close mate, but back in then I didn't know who he was. I, no, I don't he think didn't I know. know who... Everyone loves Spooky. Yeah, he's great. He's amazing. But 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 um but back then he didn't know who I was and I was just a pleb that read his um his blog. Like I loved his blog. I loved I loved it and I just like I'd I'd love to, to talk to him. But for me at that, that stage I felt unable to and then I was pissed up on a on a Friday night and this idea about doing a podcast was resonating in, in my brain. I was thinking, Oh fuck, I need to do something with this, but I don't know how to make it happen. And I emailed him when I was drunk, and 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 that's often, <laughs> it's not always a great thing to start reaching for the stars when you're drunk, but sometimes it, 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 sometimes it works. And in my instance, it did work. And I um, yeah. I, I emailed him, and he was like, "That sounds like a fantastic idea. Let's meet for a pint and talk it through." And yeah. and and you know, what, what, eleven years down the line, we me and you are now chatting. Because you you listen to the podcast and uh, I know your story and that's how how we're talking now. So the point I guess we're making here is that if you have an idea and it doesn't make you look like a wanker, actually that's that's the wrong attitude, isn't it? Because sometimes you think your 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 ego will make it make you believe that you you will sound like an, a wanker if you suggest it. Right. But just be be brave and be bold about what if you have an idea you think is good. Yeah. you should grab it or, or 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 like you said like in terms of there was an opportunity there so like, i don't want to be a th- you know earning 20 12 dollars an hour and pushing paper around yeah. i want to do what the people on the ever, board are doing on that on that point have you ever watched any ted talks do you know what the ted ted talks of course are? of course yeah yeah of course yeah. yeah so there's one lady on there called Brene brown and she talks it kind of ties into it she's a doctor and lecturer at university of houston in texas but she like her, a lot of her basis in life is we um we humans are like very shameful people and we don't talk about things because we're worried about shame and if you can get to a point in your life where you can l- go beyond shame you yeah. elevate yourself and that's not like that and she that you know that can be applied to you know everything so if you, you know people don't do things don't take risks don't step out don't ask the girl out on a date or the boy out on a date or the non-binary person out on a date they don't because they're worried they're sh- you know they're, they're, they're they they could have some shame and so her whole premise is basically as a psychologist to get through life and get through feeling shameful about things. And then that also translates to not parenting with shame. Like we are with our parent, with our kids, we don't, um, we never tell them don't cry like a baby or yeah. don't cry like a girl, or we don't use shame phrases yeah. with our children. And it's, a, but it's the same kind in of business. Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, it, it's, um, they're all based in shame. It's to create a, a behavior response from shame, but it's the same in business. It's the same in, what Absolutely. you did, what held you back from talking to Spooky or acting on it before that? You got a little bit of Dutch courage, so, uh, probably because you felt you might sound like a wanker to somebody that you really appreciated what they were doing in their blog absolutely. and you didn't want to be. 100%. And it's the same in my business. And it's the same in, you know, a lot of people in terms of I said I was bold and uncandid and I step out. But a lot of it is getting is getting to a point where it doesn't really matter what people think. And, and being in that place is very you know in terms of business and it, it's very very freeing um you know and i you know I, like for me 
I have a couple of nerdy tendencies. Like you, people know that if they've you know been around me, I, I have bees. Like it's not very often that people who work in finance then have these little pottering hobbies that you would associate to old men. And when I first started getting bees, I wasn't, I didn't really, I didn't really tell people other than the people that walked past my house because it was, and I thought, hang on a minute, this is super interesting. And I really like it. And it brings me relaxation. And so, you know, just little things like that, remembering my life, like shame doesn't matter. Shame, care. Like, honestly, who cares? Like, move past it. Matt, yeah. I love this. I love this, and and I want to talk about your bees in a second because yeah. we'll we'll round it up by talking about yeah. your bees. But but um, but um, there is the, there's there's something in that like shame should be revert, re- reserved for someone who's done something that is heinous or significantly yeah. wrong or or directly yeah. against a social objective or a goodwill or a general yep. will in society. That you should feel shame. It's important if you've done something wrong that you should feel shame, but you shouldn't let 100%. shame prevent you from achieving or doing something you think is good. Like my, yeah. that, and, and that, and that's the issue. And I think a lot of people do get caught up in that. I look, if, well, will I, will I be humiliated if I ask a question, if I have an yeah. idea in my head and I, and I, and I, and I go after it, will I be humiliated? The reality is that no, you won't, or you may be rejected. It might not work out for you in that instance, right? but you shouldn't feel shameful for that. The yeah. only time you should feel shameful is you're making someone else's life worse than it than, than it was before you showed up. That's the only that's, time you should feel shame. But don't. That's a great. That's a great way to put. It. I I hadn't even I didn't even put those two things together myself. But yeah, when it was my wife who put me onto that TED talk, and then I started intertwining it. In what was the name of it again? Just one more time. Just uh, in case. Hopefully, this doesn't mess up the app. It, it's um it's a TED talk um by a lady called Brene Brown. B R E N E, and then the last word name is Brown. It's one of the um, it's one of the the top um, ever listened to TED talks. I don't okay. Um, and she's got, got, she's got a load of. If you got it, yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. Uh, TED talk B R E N E Brown. Yeah, B R E N E Brown. Yeah, power of vulnerability. There you go. That's it. And being vulnerable means that you're not working walking with a fear of shame. And we aren't vulnerable. And when you know, and people resonate with people that are vulnerable. A lot of, of course, the time, yeah. of course, they can get advanced. Yeah, so because anyway, because almost everybody tangent, feels yeah. vulnerable, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a tangent, but that honestly, that's a lot of what you know. Being bold, some, you know, I never ever told people how old I was when I first started working in the industry. I never told people that I didn't have any qualifications in finance. It was the classic "fake it until I make it" situation, um, and and it was a lot of that was because of the shame and, 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 but then as soon as I choose to be vulnerable yeah it's 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 super powerful I recommend anyone to spend 15 minutes watching that watching that TED talk which isn't why we first started talking in the first place but it it's pertinent but, to but, I, my but story I, think, I suppose I think um I think it is interesting and it, and it is pertinent because that you you are significantly successful and you deal with people that are hugely successful you know talking about like what you said like between five million and whatever it was a hundred million pounds yeah yeah old. ridiculous ridiculous numbers when i first i've seen it a few times and just like that's beyond my yeah. comprehension so, yeah but yeah but but this for what is abnormal to us or you is normal yeah. to these people that you're serving and then what you have yeah. uh, on an intellectual level and, or an understanding is something different it's, it's what they need is which is why yeah. you end up making money out of it but 
the, it, it, all, it, all, it all ties in. And what I think resonated with me when we started having this conversation when we were chatting on the phone and whatnot is that there is... There, there are few. It's hard to, it's hard to explain to someone why what you've done has been successful. Like we often talk about, I often get asked like, like the fighting cock. It's, it's a massively successful thing. Why, you know, how, how did that happen? It, it happened partly because we were lucky. We were very lucky at the beginning of the, the, the explosion of, of podcasts. We were there. So we were benefited from that. But the other thing... I wore a Spurs being... shirt. You know what I mean? Like, it is. A lot of this stuff is... You wore a Spurs yeah, shirt. Exactly. It's luck. Yeah. Yeah. You've got an opportunity. But then... and then, But it's about then um, recognising the opportunities. And then I think, like, so, some people in the business world will go, having the bollocks, like, being a man, grabbing the moment, all that kind of... that All those cliches that aren't helpful. It's yeah. just about recognising that there's an opportunity... And then, then being just, it's bold just, enough. Honestly, bold, bold enough. Bold to enough but, like, but, yeah. but not recognizing or, or or grabbing hold of the shame that you're going to feel if you don't, if you if you do it and you're rejected. So why don't right. you ask the girl out that you see on yeah. a tube or the girl you fancy because yeah. she might reject you? So what? She rejects you in the exact same position as you are right now. But if she doesn't, yeah. she could become your wife and you live together forever. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for me, like. It, I <laughs> I look at life and a lot of the decisions I make is I genuinely ask myself, well, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could yeah. happen? The worst could happen is she says no, or you know. Uh, that's, that, I think we say that occurring. we say that as yeah. uh, as as men of a similar age, where we we kind yeah. of have that that sort of re- ability to reflect. It's hard when you're 21. Although you did it when you're 21, oh, I mate, wouldn't have had the bollocks. Yeah, to do I'm 37. It. Yeah, I'm 37. I'm, I'm 40, and, so we're a similar age. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so no, a hundred percent. And it's something you learn as you as you as you get older. Um, and I think you get to a point where you just give the stick the middle finger up and you don't care what anyone thinks anymore. And I in would your thirties, isn't it? Is it definitely in your thirties? Yeah, I would love to happen. tell you that, but like, still for me, like I I find myself like for some reason I lay in bed at three o'clock in the morning because you, like you said the other day on one of the pods, you can't control what goes through your mind at yeah. three o'clock in the, when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning. And I have the same thing. I have the same. I, I deal with anxiety. I deal with mental health. Not, not, not. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not. I don't. I'm not I the pit of depression. I don't want to every, belittle every what other people. Doesn't. Yeah, and so when I deal with that, and I just when I, at three o'clock in the morning, you sit there and you, the anxiety of just of rejection. And I, people, I still deal with it. Um, but I think at 37, you've had more experience to be able to then wake up in the morning, brush your teeth, comb your hair. Yeah, um, it's, that's it. And, it? And, when you and, when you when you get up, go again. All, all of the the anxieties you had during the night aren't as significant yeah. because you're why are, your ask that brain ask that brain go why is it so why are things so much worse at three o'clock in the morning than they are at eight like, I, don't, I don't know i don't, I don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> they, but you, but they're, they're, they're almost life-changing at 3 a.m aren't they they're like yeah they are so that's so true like and i i, I thought like, i know it's not just me but when, when and that's another thing about waking up at 3 a.m and confronting all your demons is it feels like it's just you and you alone and that your right. life, it's your body, your life that you're destroying, or your yeah. the people around you are destroying. And then there is a million people at that yeah. moment going through the exact same thing and thinking the exact same thing. And then when you wake up at eight AM, things aren't as bad. No, <laughs> and there's some there's some there's some perspective that you have after a cup of coffee or morning tea or whatever it is that you have that 
you don't you end up not you know like you said the, those demons aren't quite as insurmountable and the you know the the stress isn't quite there and the anxiety isn't quite as bad as it seemed at three o'clock in the morning but i, I it's it's one of those things where um like i end up you know for me i i have a significant my job comes with a significant amount of stress like uh crippling bring me to tears like 20 last last year i almost packed the whole thing in it wasn't worth it to me anymore um it was just so so stressful the so that's interesting Matt, so, so you, um, you've, you, yeah. you've been successful, but you've got to the point where you are successful and you have everything around you, and the pressure of it is sometimes insurmountable. Is that correct? Oh, mate, yeah. I, I mean, honestly, I, I and this, honestly, sometimes why I escape to the Telegram group. I know that's not part of the, this other pod, but you know, I have, you know, and as silly as it sounds, like having that mindless banter or the mindless conversation about things that I don't necessarily talk about regularly for me significantly helped my mental health like last year the impact of covid in the american financial system was so deep like there were days where i didn't know if we would have the money to give the people that we promised to give them and things wow. like that and then the pe- people are calling you they've got that, their entire life in a movie is that on you like, matt is that on you no it's no it's not mate but that's the that's the level of anxiety and pressure that the, the expectation that's put on on me and i and that's one of my things i have to i still learn to deal with and so yeah i i i my wife last year plenty of times came to me and said babe i can my wife's a nurse and she doesn't work but she could work and nurses in northern california make more than enough money for us to feed our family um okay and she's like i can i can go back to work babe like i can do that like this is you're killing yourself um you know like i you know with me with stress i ballooned in weight um you know and it was just very very you know the you know the the people were just assholes last year. I don't know if you noticed it, but like everyone lost just basic manners. I couldn't believe it, and that so even though it's successful um, from a worldly perspective, where you know you know uh, being able to pay your bills and and not worry about things, yeah. It, but yeah, last year was absolutely horrend- horrendous, um, and it bled into this year. And I promised myself I actually got COVID in December. And my wife looked at me when I recovered and said, babe, that's the first five-day stretch. You haven't answered a work telephone call in 14 years. People mm. call me on Christmas Day. People call me on Thanksgiving Day. Well, maybe not Thanksgiving Day, but I'd answer emails what, at least on what Thanksgiving are they, Day. What are they, what are they calling, calling you about? Well, they have – so it's, uh, people on those days, they have days off from their professional life. And so then the, the admin of their life asking me about – uh, did we pay their, their their council tax through on their mortgage? Did we? That's something that happens here with property taxes. You can pay in your mortgage. Um, asking me about does it make sense to remortgage their house? Um, you know, they they stop with their busy professional lives, and they have some downtime, and that means that their minds start working, and then they re- they reach out to me or people like me. I'm not the only one. There are thousands of people that do what I do, um, yeah. and so you know, it became. Last year was absolutely unbearable. It was genuinely unbearable. I couldn't. It was. I got through it, but that's not without work causing many, many tears. Did, um, did, did the and, um, yeah. did the bees help you get through it? Hundred percent. It's um, okay. it, tell, it, it, it's yeah. So tell I me got, about tell me about the bees. <laughs> so I built my own house. Like I swung hammer and nail and built my own house over the course of like two years. Um, and the guy who came in to do all of our. Um, tr- uh, tile and uh, like countertops in our kitchen. He is a, he's a vegan dude. 
Um, and he, my daughter was 18 months old at the time, and he would come around, bring his food, and he'd sit my daughter down and feed her at lunchtime. Um, I got oh, to nice. talking to him. He, he had 10 acres. He grew all his own food. He was basically self-sustainable. Grew all his own food, vegetables, everything. And he bought me a jar of honey. And he said, hey, I, you know, I, I, I produce this. And, oh, that's really nice, Emil. Thank you. Ate the honey. And I, you know, we live on an acre of land. Um, and I read this book years ago called Dominion. And basically, it was a thesis on humans should rid their life of all violence. So that means violence towards killing animals to consume them, violence like boxing, MMA, um, all yeah, any violence. Any kind of violent act. Uh, any kind of violence. And so while I'm not a vegetarian, I had, I had a moral conundrum on, like, how do I get violence out of my life? So one of the, re one of the things I've done to get violence out of my life is rather than not, rather than becoming a vegetarian, um, I've decided to connect with where my food comes from and yeah. understand the actual cost of the food that I consume. Not, not, not pounds and pence and dollars and cents, but the emotional cost of consuming the food, the physical toil um, that it takes to grow vegetables, um, make fruit. Well, anyway, so Emil gave me this honey and I said at the end of it, well, bees are very important to pollination. If you don't have bees, there's not many things... That not other than bees that pollinate. We're all um, fucked, basically, without bees. Right? Yeah, I mean, you'd, you'd have bananas because bats bats pollinate bananas. Apparently, I, I learned last week. Not bees. Um, <laughs> so we'd have bananas. To, we'd have bananas to eat, but we wouldn't have a huge amount of other stuff, and not in the volume that we need to consume. Long story short, I asked him if I could buy a bee. Where do you get bees? Is the first question. He's like, oh well, you, you know, we have to kind of either catch them or you buy a hive from a beekeeper. And I said, well, can I buy a hive? So next thing I know. I gave him, I gave him five hundred dollars, and he bought two beehives over to my house and put them in the corner, and said, "There you go, there's bees." Well, for two years, I just let them do their thing. One day, I went down there. One of the hives didn't have any bees left in it, so I was like, "Well, that's weird." Oh, whatever. So I took the honey and ate it, and thought, "Oh, I felt very proud of myself." Um, at the beginning of lockdown, my bank shut all the offices, so we had to work from home. On one day, my wife came up to me and said, "Babe, there's something wrong with the beehive." So I came out and mate, there were, I mean. 50,000 bees. It was so loud, my neighbors came out of the house wondering what the hell was going on. Well, and the bees were doing you, this. When you say there's something um, wrong with the beehive, what, what do you Well, mean? there wasn't anything wrong with it. My wife didn't know what the behavior was. And so right. what happened is the beehive was so healthy, they had too many bees in that space. And so the bees grow a new queen because each hive will have one queen bee in it. Right. And then if, it's, if, they, if they're healthy and they run out of space, they grow a new queen. The old queen takes about a third of the bees with her, and they fly away. It's called um, a, it's called a bee swarm. I love so when you've that. seen like Winnie the Pooh or like these cartoons where these bees fly around in like a big cloud, like yeah. that's exact. That's exactly what happened. Um, and so, so, so in the, in the air there was just thousands yeah, of bees. Mate, thousands and thousands. I it was noisy, like not like an airplane taking <laughs> off, but there was like this whir that I heard inside my house, and I came out and I was like. Oh my God, what the hell's go what the hell's happening? And then so I ended up going on Facebook, um, finding a local beekeeping um group and said took a video of it and I was like, guys, I don't know what I'm doing. I've got a What's problem here. here. <laughs> yeah. And so they said, Oh, that's that's a swarm. You should have given them more space in the hive. I'm like, Well, it's too late now. Um they said, and so they, they walked me. Would, it, would, that, would that would that mean just buying another hive for them to live in? 
No, you would, buy more two, boxes. That, you know what? Two a, queens a, be able to live home. next to each other like that? I mean, bee scientists can, but no, not typically. One queen bee would kill the other queen bee and be right. the queen of the hive. But so they taught me through it. Um, they you, to make more space in a hive. You know what a hive looks like, right? In a rectangle. Yeah, of course. Boxes, yeah. Right. Yeah, like, like so a, just, a tiny uh, shed, a square, exactly, a square shed. It's exactly what it is. Yeah. So inside that shed um, are what they call frames and frames are where the bees make honeycomb and in the honeycomb they store honey they store nectar they store pollen they lay eggs it's like that's their house their frames are their house anyway they this bee this group said hey get two metal um bin lids and smash them together and that messes with the bees communication and they yeah. will settle they'll they will find a branch on a tree and they'll settle there and then then they'll send out for, um worker bees to go and find a new place to make a permanent hive if you get them to settle you can get the ball of bees which genuinely looks like one of those um winnie the pooh it's like literally a big massive clump of bees bees or, yeah i've seen i've yeah, seen or, i've yeah. seen like uh, people on social media like a, a bloke walking down the street with it's exactly the, the yeah. queen in his hand and then there's just bees all the way up, he's, and they're not stinging him. He's just walking along with yeah. him. It's almost like he's moving yeah. that hive somewhere else. Yeah. So what I did, you get a big bucket, um, cut a hole in the side. Um, you make a temporary hive for them. As long as the queen bee, like you just said, as long as the queen bee goes inside, she releases a pheromone, and yeah. all the bees will, fo- will all the bees from her hive know her pheromone, and they follow that pheromone. So as long as the bee is inside that bucket, you've captured all those bees, and then you go get empty boxes those shed that shed and then you in the morning um you tip all the bit you put a lid on the bucket overnight so they don't they don't like being outside at night mm. tip them in and then you've got yourself another so that's working from home that's and that was my first like <laughs> so, forced so what did you what did you do with the, with, so so you you hit the the the, the bin lids together they settled yes. and then and then yep. where, where did they go so i have a big bucket and I put the bucket, I got on a, a bee jacket and I uh, climbed up a 20 foot ladder and I don't like heights. So I climbed and you're up. Sco- and you're scooping bucket. them up. Well, I, I, you, know, put, you put the bucket underneath and I, I actually cut the tree branch. And so the bees fell a little bit, the little branch fell into the bucket. I put the lid on the bucket. So they were kind of, I say, trapped inside. There was a little hole that I cut on the outside. So the mm-hmm. queen was inside. And then I left the bucket hanging there during the day. And then they started coming, going, coming, going, coming, going, like bees do in a hive. Yeah. And then at night, um, because bees don't fly at night, I covered up so the they, hole. They've all, all gone back into the bucket. Yeah, because they follow, they follow the queen of the, of, of, from the pheromone. And then, and then in the morning, I tipped them into that wooden shed, as you called it, the beehive. And then, that, then I went from having one hive to having two hives. Again, not knowing what I'm doing. That happened five times for one hive <laughs> last summer. So That's I went incredible. from having one beehive doing nothing to having six beehives and like all of a sudden having like a semi-part-time job to look after them. But back to the mental health, I've just bees are fascinating to me and they're kind of the center of sustainable farming. And that's what I want on my acre of land. I want to not I don't want to necessarily grow all the food that I'm gonna consume. But if I know where my kids' fruit and vegetables come from, we have chickens and ducks, and we get eggs from the chickens and the ducks. Well, we um, have talked about chickens, haven't we, in the past? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I and you know, and the chickens eat all the table scraps, and then I dig the chicken poop into the vegetable garden, so I don't use any fertilizers, any chemicals in my in my vegetables because I have the chicken waste to do it. 
And then the bees give me, give me honey. So we don't buy sugar anymore. We just use honey for everything. And I make jams from the fruit that we have. And you can actually substitute sugar for jam, um, for honey in making jam. Um, so I have, you know, which is my nerd, this is my nerd side. But during the stress of everything, when I'm breaking down at work and I'm genuinely in tears and I don't know where to turn and I don't know how I'm going to solve all my problems, I will go down, I'll go out to my bees and I'll just, I'll do some maintenance inside where that's cleaning up the XX wax that they make, double checking that they don't have any diseases, that kind of stuff. Um, and I just sit, honestly, I, I, like my wife has got so many pictures of me just sitting with a beer on a, on a picnic chair, watching the bees just come and go, come, it's so mundane but no, because my work is i just sounds, sit, and, it sit and watch in... it yeah and so yeah. now now i've learned about how important bees are to our ecosystem you know and and, and like if people get nothing else in this pod and i'm sure most people aren't even going to listen to the end of this pod but the one thing you can that anyone can do to make a better world for us to live in is stop using pesticides don't throw down if you have a wasp nest don't get a, a, a pest control person to come in and spray chemicals because those chemicals don't differentiate between the wasps that you're killing, the flies and the bees, and the other, other flies will land on the pesticide, take it to a flower, leave the pesticide in the flower. A bee will get the pesticide because they collect pollen from the flowers, take it back to the hive, and that pesticide will kill the entire hive in a number of hours, minutes even. It's called hive collapse. So the one thing people can do is there's organic, like all my neighbors around me, I go and give them all organic weed killer and pesticides every year. I take all of them, like two gallons of, of that stuff. Now, bees fly two miles away, so there's no such thing as organic honey unless it comes from the Amazon. Um, but, the, so, but that's how I kind of try and make the world a little bit of a better place by not allowing um, or, <laughs> pesticides to kill the bees. And, I, you know, and, and just what is, look, watching how they communicate and the how evolution has, has, has occurred like this, it, it, it honestly, it blows my mind that, that, that it's, so these little bug that stings us wants to, it's kind of central to our survival. Bees don't really, do they? they're not aggressive. Um, no, honeybees are not, unless they're sick or yeah. you've really pissed, if you, and when I say piss them off, like go up to the hive and shake it. Um, yeah. Other than that, a bee that you see on a flower, they, uh, it, all the bees that you see on flowers are female bees. There's not, they're, they're not male bees, and the female and, uh, bees are the only ones that sting you. Are we are we talking about uh, bumblebees as well? Like like the, the flat, yeah, bumblebees know, aren't. Yeah. Do you have it's, do you, it's, do you have them in, in the US? Like, like you know you know the big fat bumblebees, the ones yep. with the big bum. Yeah, we have these things called carpenter bees and wood bees, which are even bigger. They almost look like a hornet. And so, obviously, with my garden, I've got a bunch of flowers that are good for bees, and they forage. Um, but a female bee, once she stings you, she dies. That's it. That's the end of her life. Mm. So she doesn't want to sting you any more than you want to be stung. It's only if she feels in, you know, or Endangered. if they're protecting the queen. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. you know, my, my kids, yeah. So it's one of those, just how, you know, in, in a beehive, they kill all the males every winter. There's not a male, it's not a male bee in my beehive right now. They kill them all because the only thing males do in a bee population is eat their resources <laughs> And mate with the queen. It's the only thing they do. So really? they kill all the so men. So they're not like yep. when when you see sort of um, worker bees when they go out. That those, those are all females as well. All females, always females. Male, you know, male bees will fly about a bit, but they're not they're not doing anything to help the ecosystem. <laughs> I don't know if this is this is true at all, um, but we so 
when when I lived in London, European hornets were. Yeah. I've never seen one. I saw one, one, once in when I lived in London, and it absolutely yeah. blew my mind that the a European hornet's head moves independent of its body. So bees and wasps, they all, they all it's, I think it's a two-part structure of their abdomen. Yeah. The, yeah. This isn't correct, but there's there's the towel part, and then there's the 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 the, the, head the part. part with the, yeah the head part with legs and stuff. But with European yeah. hornets. The head moves differently. It moves on its own, so there's almost three parts. And um, huh. we um, we had a, a hollowed out tree. It was essentially a dead a dead tree. It's since collapsed, but the we had a, a hornet's hive in in this in this tree. And hornets are scary. Like if you if you're yes, scared are. of I don't, I don't want to mess with them. If you're scared of wasps, you can be scared of hornets. Anyway, so we uh, there was this one night where hornets uh, they're attracted to light, like most of these uh, you know, insects, like moths and bees yeah. and stuff. They they, they yeah. function during the day, but uh, yeah, the, this this was uh, this this hornet flew flew in through the um, <laughs> the kitchen door and landed on my chest, and I was screaming and running because I'm a lad from London. We don't see hornets, and certainly don't. Have, <laughs> They don't land on your I mean, on your chest, and they cling to you, and they're so heavy that they pull your yep. t-shirt down. It's that they're that big. Yeah, they're big. They're horrible. They're horrible. horrible yeah, things. but but I, what what I learned from uh, you know reading up a little bit is that actually the the hornets you're seeing flying around can't sting you, and they're certainly much less aggressive than um, yeah. than typical wasps in England. But because they look yeah, so wasps scary, are horrible. I don't like I, I don't like wasps either. Um, but you know, trying to you know, people don't. I think we're just predispositioned. You hear a buzz and you flap. Um, Definitely, you know, I, yeah. I've been stung three or four times. I mean, it's not it's not pleasant. I don't like it. Just put a, put an ice cube on it and you'll be totally fine unless you're allergic to it. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of the you know, just watching how all those insects move pollen around from flower to flower, plant to plant, and then we get we get food and we eat. And that to me, like I said, just lets me. It kind of it relaxes me. It lowers my blood pressure. Yeah. I'm able to give. Everybody loves to receive like a little jam of homemade jam jar of jam, a little that. homemade jar of honey. It. Yeah, that that type of thing. And it just you know it brings some perspective to the bigger world of everything that you know I deal with on a daily basis and people's ridiculous expectations of. Can we have a phone call at five? Yeah, we can have a phone call at five. Oh, you meant five a.m. Yeah, yeah, I'll wake up, set my alarm. And go and find a quiet spot in my house to have a phone call with you at five o'clock in the morning because you want to talk before you go to the airport for your important business meeting. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'll just I'll wake up and <laughs> impact my sleep pattern. Don't, don't worry about it. And, you know, yeah, and they, yeah. And, yeah, they, yeah. So it's I you know the, the bees are you know a central part of. I encourage everyone to have some you know hobbies are so important. I think and in mm. in people's mental in mental health, it's yeah, it's just it, it it's, uh, it's everything about it fascinates me, blows me away. Okay, mate. I mean, I think that's a, a nice way to end this. Uh, we've talked about opportunity. We've talked about money. We've talked about having money and not having money. We've talked about how bees can save or at least help yeah. or ameliorate uh, someone's mental well-being. Um, yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Matt. This has been a really interesting oh, conversation. I appreciate you reaching out and I hope I, I, I'm desperately hoping that this doesn't come across as a narcissistic mess. I know I've said that before, but... Um, I've enjoyed the chat. This, this honestly, this type of thing helps my mental health. Just having a chat. I know you're essentially a stranger, but um, yeah, I feel yeah. This type of thing, talking, 
helps so much in just being able to wax lyrical about the bees and stuff. I yeah, thanks man. for reaching out. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Cheers, man. Nice one, mate. All right, Thank mate. You. Take care. Cheers. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.